Welcome to Noble Warrior. My name is C.K. Lin. Noble Warriors will interview consciousness-centered entrepreneurs about their journey from warrior to commander to king. We'll deconstruct the mindset, mental models, actionable tactics, so then you can take them and build your own business with more impact and fulfillment. My next guest is Carolina Reese. She's the co-founder and CEO of OneSkin, the first stem cell anti-aging cream company. OneSkin is the company Peter Diamandis is betting on to help make living to 120 years old with vibrancy possible. We talked about how she journeyed from a small town of 7,000 people in Brazil all the way to Silicon Valley. How the academic salary cap pushed this Brazilian entrepreneur to come to America to form her VC-backed startup. And how she unifies her scientific training and spiritual faith to confidently navigate startup uncertainties. The secret advantage Carolina didn't know she had that would save most entrepreneurs years of pain. And how she and her three co-founders engineer a healthy founder dynamics and workplace culture for the last five years. And finally, their unique inside-out approach to anti-aging that will help us live to 120. So please enjoy my conversation with Kelina Reese, the CEO of OneSkin. I want to first congratulate you for being featured in Nature Biotech a few days ago. How does it feel to be recognized by one of the top you know, science publications? Yeah, as a scientist, we always have some dreams and definitely be featured in Nature is a great recognition of the work that we are doing. So we usually read and we inspire our research reading nature, nature publications. So the fact that we are featured there means that we are not only doing something that's right, but other people are appreciating our science. And we do believe that the science is in the frontier of this longevity technologies that will completely change the way that we age, the way that we perceive aging. And uh, yeah, it's, it feels, yeah, we feel like very proud of our work to be featured in such uh, a great journal. Awesome. So when I was doing my research around you and your company, I came across a few interesting things. One of them is the documentary that you made around OneSkin. And what actually is impressive to me about what you're trying to do is not just, hey, let's help people to be more beautiful. That's an important part. Everyone loves to look good. So that's great. But an underlying theme that I hear is, you said, quote, living a healthful, joyful life as long as possible. And I really love that. Can you say a little bit more about why that is? Am I accurate to receive that? Is that an intentional thing, a purpose that your company is trying to do? Totally. As we decided to focus on longevity, our, and this aligns with my personal and professional goal. I always want to work with science or develop science in order to improve, to improve people's uh, quality of life, 
So I always want to work with health for humans, how we can eventually cure a disease and or find better ways that people can have more better health during their lives. And when decided to, to, to study aging and longevity, we realized that this could impact so much our health as a whole. And skin is one of the first applications for this technology. And by treating skin aging, we learned so much of the importance of the skin through, for our overall health. And also, we were always focused on improving the health of the skin in the molecular level. So extending the time that our skin is functional and extend or improving the re resilience of our skin. And so the skin protect us against, you know, infections, against water loss and against all types of, you know, threats. And uh, the consequence of treating all of this process in the molecular level is that you are going to look better because a younger skin usually is a skin that looks better and it functions better. But as I said, we are starting with skin, but we see that our technology can be expanded to other tissues and our message and our mission goes beyond the skin. We really want to provide means that people cannot live longer because this we are already living but we are not living better and what's the point that we reach like 100 or 120 years if 30 percent of that time we are spending fighting or suffering from a disease so our goal as a scientist and as a founder of One Skin is really to develop those technologies and also bring information that will help us to make better choices so we can close the gap that we have good health and the time of the total time that we live in this planet. Now, uh, before I dive into more on the technology part, because I can geek up with you about the specifics, yeah. why, nah, 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 all that stuff, uh, I want to ask you about the, the founder product market fit. Like, why you? What inspired you to get into, well, skin in the first place? Is, it, is there a specific reason? Is there a specific memory? Is there a specific desire? Like, why? skin out of all things or sorry yeah. what longevity of what out of all things yeah so as i said when i was still like younger on high school i always loved science and i want to do something related to science to affect or impact people's health and one of the fields that i was very passionate about was was stem cells so i I decided to develop a project on my PhD that was focused on stem cell biology. And I saw so many opportunities to apply that research. So for example, my PhD was focused on producing retina cells derived from stem cells so we can transplant and prevent people from getting blind. So to treat or to prevent macular degeneration. And then when I was finishing my PhD, I want to, to start my entrepreneurial career. And I joined with my, more two colleagues 
and uh, and we had a similar background and we saw that we could definitely use stem cells to treat disease but a faster application to bring this technology to the market was going to use stem cells to produce human tissues or small organs that we could then replace animal testing. So since I had the expertise in retina, my co-founder had, had an expertise in building mini hearts so we could produce like cardiomyocytes that would beat in the lab, super cool. And then we could test drugs and evaluate it toxicity and efficacy and so on. So this approach of building uh, human tissues to replace animal testing attracted more the cosmetic industry because that was the main industry that was suffering pressure from the population to really stop doing animal testing. And, and then I, I had another colleague that had the experience in growing skin in the lab. And then we decided to start building skin to meet this need of the market. And to us was a very noble purpose. We also want to be more ethical as a scientist. So if we can use human tissues, why testing animals and mainly for cosmetics? So that's how we were attracted for this market. And in the process of trying to eventually the company evolved and in the process of finding product market fit, we decided to focus on the anti-aging market. And in order to solve the problem of the anti-aging market, that's which products work and which don't, how we can validate the efficacy of those products, we needed to, start to study about aging and then when we when I start to study about aging, I realized that's what I should focus on because I realized that aging is the main risk factor for all of the diseases that most of the diseases that we are trying to treat. So if I want to treat macular degeneration, if I want to treat cardiovascular disease, the common cause is aging. So if we can do something about aging, we can create a much bigger impact and even better we can extend the time that we are free of disease and start instead of you know trying to treat the symptoms that's what the the healthcare system does today so everything starts to the dots start to connect and i saw yeah that's what i'm supposed to be doing and i'm also a person that I strive to enjoy every second of my life, and I can't imagine that aging will bring me limitations if I can do this or that because I'm getting older. So I wanna do something about it, and I wanna allow people to be able to live that healthier and more fulfilling lives until they are in the last days of their lives. So. I think it doesn't make sense if we spent a significant part of our lives not productive or not healthy or not enjoying the time that we are here. And that's where I think I can contribute. Thank you for that. No, that's a beautiful answer. I think that Brazilian part comes out, right? That passion for life, that draw to V, joy for life comes out. Really helping people not just live longer, but having a shitty uh, quality of life, live longer while maintaining 
great quality of life so they can move more and do more and be more during this time that we have limited amount on this planet. I love that. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. That, yes, and, and, and this energy, like we we are very in Brazilians, we are you know full of energy, and we have this, yeah, this lifestyle of enjoying life, and also that's the thing that's it's part of my DNA. But to me, it makes sense like to spread this. I think everyone should be enjoying their lives as much as possible. So. Let's yeah. For that, yeah. So I want to ask you even a little, a little bit deeper here because this is your second company and you started as a PhD at the end before you even finish, if I recall correctly. Yeah, correct. Before yeah. you even finish. And then you started it and then you started another company and you came all the way from Brazil to here by yourself. So I would say it's probably something even deeper than hey, I just wanted to serve a market opportunity, product market fit, that kind of thing. Because one, would, I had come to this country by myself and it was challenging. So if you can go even a little, little bit deeper, what is the fire within you that's burning to say, I want to start a company to make the kind of difference in people's life? Yeah. So when I was in academia, doing my PhDs, I was seeing the path, paths that I, I had ahead of me. So I could pursue an academia, academic career, or I could work on a, a pharmaceutical company, a biotech company, or I could build my own way. And the academia, it was definitely not like the, <laughs> the future that I was seeing myself. I, to me, I really appreciate the basic science and all the, everything that they do there, but to me was not enough to fulfill myself if all the research that I was developing was going to be transformed in papers and not people won't be benefiting from that research. So even like the past research that I did, for example, my master, I worked with vaccines and it was like so much work and in the end it didn't go anywhere. So it frustrated me so much and I couldn't spend the rest of my life like doing this. So I said, okay, and if I go to a pharmaceutical company, Yes, that could be a way that I could apply my research. But then I saw my brother that was younger than me starting this, his entrepreneurial career. And, um, and they started like with a big project. They were going to transform like lands and areas for reforesting, growing trees. And then they would sell the piece of land and the wood that they would harvest from those trees. So I saw them going from an idea and almost like giving up to a point that people said, oh, you guys started thinking too big. I think you guys should return the money that you could raise and maybe start like smaller. And eventually they could get around and overcome that. And today they have, I don't know how many, what's the size of the land, but it's so beautiful how they transform the area that they are and they created so many jobs and they're really changing the ecosystem around and creating value. And seeing that like 
going from an idea, almost like giving up and being able to overcome and to, you know, generate all this value was like so inspiring to me that I, I said, yeah, I, I want to do something like that, you know. And another way that uh, I didn't, that made me to pursue my own entrepreneurial career. I remember I was always listening to this entrepreneur from Brazil and he was saying that he doesn't want to anyone to tell him how much he should be paid. And in academia and as a scientist, usually this is a profession that's not well valued in the marketing, not like engineers and so scientists and PhDs, sometimes they are like paid poorly and I first I don't agree with that and said I'm not gonna follow those rules so I'm gonna create my own rules and so everything combined and I decided to starting my own journey and doing the things that I believe that I could do best and Mm. yeah here I am (laughs) here you are so Two things that I hear. One is the Brazilian spirit being like a rebel, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's there, it's coming out strong. And also you had the brother as an inspiration. And then yeah. you said to yourself, if he could do it, I could do it. I want to do what he does. Is that accurate? Yeah, very accurate. Mm, I love that. So I'm a former academic myself. So everything you said, I completely empathize and I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want my life to be measured in how many papers I published. It's I actually want my life to actually make an impact on people's life. Hence why I switched gear to entrepreneurship. It's very, very fulfilling that way. <clears throat> now, if you're speaking to the younger Carolina who may think, oh yeah, I'll just go have an idea and create something new. What would you say to her? If you can speak back to that academic, technical PhD, Carolina, what would you say to her about this journey that she was about to take on? Wow. I would say first that Carolina, you can be and you can do whatever you want. You have the potential if you dedicate your life, if you put your heart and soul. You, I never thought that I would be here today in Silicon Valley leading a, a biotech company. This, no one like said to me that I could get here. If I dreamed on that, I would like, wow, maybe, but... Today, I look to the younger girls and I, I tell them, if you want to, the people that are from my city, I come from a very small city in Brazil, 7,000 people. And oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so there is only one like public school, like you don't have many options and, and you think that your world is is restricted to that and today I tell them and I say no you can go whenever you want you can be whatever you want you 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 just put your mind there and work together there 
So I think in the beginning, I didn't believe that I was capable to get here. In the beginning, I was always like, I need my co-founders. If they are not with me, I can do that. This is so hard. I don't know how to do it. I don't know, even like in the beginning, even like how to speak English, you know, properly. So everything was like, I had a lot of limit, limitations in my mind that was preventing me to take, I would say, to be bold like to take higher risks, even though I was always like down to try everything. I think a lot of times I was a little resistant. So I today, and I remember I was scared. I was afraid when I needed to speak up with, or like talking with my co-founders. I don't think this is right. was so hard to me because I didn't believe in myself and so I would definitely say that uh, we are capable of achieving whatever we decide to. And if people that want to be in that journey with you and you find the people that will align with your vision throughout your journey, this would be one piece. The other piece I would say is that a lot of times I avoided several hard conversations in the beginning. <laughs> I think this is part of the human being trying to be, or not everyone, but I think I'm a, very much like not confrontational and I try to be nice with everyone, but I confused things in a way that to be nice is not to avoid things that need to be discussed and need to be talked. And I had so many, yeah, challenges and difficult times with the team and everything. And a lot of it came because we, we missed or we avoided those hard conversations in the beginning. You know, we were not super honest and clear in the beginning to say this is what I want for my life what do you want like how we can is there a way that we can align our dreams and we can still work together or if not that's fine but I think we can hope that people will have the same behavior or they will take maybe the same risks as you and with time, you learn how to understand that and understand that if you find that, that middle ground, that common ground where people can align, where they are happier or where they live, yeah, they feel that they are in their place with the, the work that they can bring to the company, I think that's where you can get the most of it because mm. you can't force people to do what you want because you think that's the right for the company or for them you know it's yeah it, it's it's something that i learned throughout this journey so i want to go back to the younger curly yeah you, your advice for her is to take more risks be more bold and yes she's smart she may have an advanced degree already so she intellectually knows that but how could you, how could she 
right? Go out and take more risks. You had mentioned find people who align with your vision. So that's great. So having a great uh, peer group, right? So right. that's helpful. Any other tactical ways to empower the younger versions of ourselves to take bigger risks? I think a lot of it is go out and talk to people and the opportunities, they'll come to you as you put yourself out there. So a lot, and I learned this even here in the US for sure. A lot of what we, we have today, it's basically a result of the connections and the work that you develop and the partnership that you create and your mentors and people that will connect you with investors or other people that can help you. So I think, okay, so maybe that's the summary of this. Ask more for help. And don't be afraid of saying, I, I don't know anything about, I mean, how to be an entrepreneur. I don't know how to start. For example, very recently, in the beginning, I didn't know anything about how to be an entrepreneur. But very recently, we needed to start to build a brand. And I didn't know anything about how to build a brand. And I think even recently, I could have gone to people and say, I don't know anything about how to build a brand. Can you help me? Or do you know anyone that can help me? I have this, I need to get there. How I cross this. And the same when you are starting, coming from the academia, we have, at least I didn't have no idea how to start a company. And I learned as we started to develop our own project, but if you have people around you, mentors and advisors, and if you're part of a group that's talking about the same thing every day, you learn so much faster. And asking for help, I think, is the first act of showing that you are not only humble, but you are eager to learn and this can definitely accelerate your progress. Thank you for that. So you actually have mentioned, talk to people and then opportunities come to you. Now we're getting into more of a spiritual realm here. So I'm curious to know, as you talk to people, what can you give us a concrete example of, hey, one opportunity or one connections or one thing that you never expected came to you? Yes. So when I was here in the US, I was at Indubio as this part of this acceleration program. And then I went to one of the events that there was exposition. It's about biotech. And so there was a Brazilian, a Brazilian kind of hub. And then I connect to this guy. Fernando and he said wow and I explained what we were doing and he said wow are you I mean are you serious do you grow human skin who are you and 
and he was like, okay, I need to give some attention to this girl. And then he connect to other people. And then eventually I was part of another program. And in the end, I was presenting at TechCrunch Disrupt with a lot of other startups. And in the end, they select the best presentation and I won. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I, I didn't know, even though this was like a competition, but after I won this presentation, a lot of doors opened to me. I was super new here. I didn't know many people. So Fernando was one person that I shared my story without expecting anything. And he was like ready to help and took me to this competition that I won and this changed our our path here because a lot of people connect to us and they were interested and so I got our lawyer and I got to present to other people that I connect to our future investors and uh, we started like to build our name to build our you know credibility here so this was one example and then I had another guy that I connected this day in this event that he organized presentations to people to investors and in one of these presentations I met my first investor so mm -hmm. these two people there are so many there is I was also presenting in Brazil once and I knew this guy that connected me with the people from Indibio so coming here to the US also like completely changed our lives my, our lives and if I was not out there presenting the company in every opportunity that I had and trying to talk to people and trying to share and sharing what we were doing, I would not connect to this guy that would connect me to Indubio. I wouldn't come to the US. I, I wouldn't be here today. So the more that you, you put yourself out there, I think, the better the chances of finding people that will help you and you get surprised how much people are willing to help it's it's so nice it's so beautiful so one thing a quick recap so you're clear about what you wanted to do right to explore the properties or the possibilities of anti-aging possibly through stem cell research that you've done and then you're clear about that and you started to show up more you take action, you have conversations with people and you are humble, you ask people for help. And then you find a lot of great mentors or connections who's willing to help you. And then you allow for serendipity and accidents, cosmic accidents to happen. Then you just follow your flow that way. Is that an accurate recap of what you did? Yes. All right. Beautiful. So here's a question. Okay. Mm. So as a PhD person, we tend to be very analytical, right? And you need to have evidence or data before you take the reaction, right? Quote, unquote, strategic. That's a nicer way to talk about it. Mm -hmm. a, a, a nice, not so nice way to talk about it would be we tend to overanalyze things a lot. Right. However, what you just share is very much not that, right? It's very much surrender, being flow, trust, and faith. So share with us a little bit about how you navigate the two worlds of having data to take action 
and at the same time allow yourself to be in flow and be in surrender and trust and have faith tell us about that yeah definitely so when we started we needed to define or to design some kind of structure right so how we're going to start so first thing we start to looking for accelerators that we could be part of that we could get mentorship so initially we were part of two accelerators back in brazil and in one of those presentations i got the, the opportunity to connect to indibio and that's how eventually we were accepted and it came to the us so you need to have both like your plan i'm gonna do you know if i want to get there what is the the route that i think that can really help me to get there faster so you needed to check right some boxes and then as you learn on your way you are going to see okay i have a little bit of you know um financial resource i have this infrastructure i have how is the technology how is the product and then you are going to trying to you know understand what are the pieces that you need to get you know in place so you can start to advance your project so it is a combination and it is it is of this more structured process with this serendipity that you will find along the way putting yourself out there and talking to people and i think i am i'm a scientist and i'm i have this mind that's very analytical but i'm also a very spiritual person so i know a little bit how to balance and you need that at least i need that to have this faith because even being analytical a lot of times things will go wrong and will go as you don't expect and you don't you you hope it wasn't a different way and you need to have that kind of at least i need that faith that will help you to go through and to believe that this is going this is a phase we are going to overcome this we are going to work to get better to learn and to get things right again but a lot of times things will happen in a way that even doing all the planning a lot of times you can't control everything and learning how to deal with the situations that you can't control even when you are doing your best and you are trying to find the right answer or to a lot of times it takes time and if i needed that internal certainty or determination that I should keep going that eventually things will fall in its place and everything will start to make sense. So it's it is a combination. Yeah. If you could say a little bit more about that. So I'll share my experience real quickly. When I first started as a scientist, I thought the world is pure materialist. So if I don't have data, then it doesn't exist. So anything even like emotions what's that you know, i don't have data to measure my emotions so therefore let me be as robotic and stoic as possible 
because I needed data. Mm-hmm. And then the more mature I get, then I'm more like I've come to appreciate, oh, the emotions actually are very important. My friend said it best. He said, imagine who you are as a spiritual being living human life. Your mind, your body, your heart, and your spirit are four boosters for this rocket. You could just use your mind, but since you have all four rockets, why don't you use all four? It's like, oh yeah, of course, that makes a lot of sense. Duh. So I came to appreciate more and more about this whole idea of things beyond data. Because my spirituality essentially, or, or faith, is believing things that you don't necessarily have data for, right? That's beyond the boundary of your understanding. Mm-hmm. So then therefore, once I have that component, and then it uh, calms me down a lot, because then I can trust this entire human yeah. journey is already there. Challenges, conflicts, failures that I face is all part of the journey for me to learn as a human being. So that actually allows me to be able to do the yin and the yang harmony very well. Mm-hmm. So, so in my mind, it's actually not a paradox. It's not either you're a spiritual person or you're a science person. It's actually both. So I'm curious to know your thoughts about someone who's thinking, how can you be both spiritual and, and a hardcore scientist? How does that work? How would you uh, respond or add to what I just said? So what I think is that as a as a human being in this on this plane we are here to evolve and we are seeing how humanity is evolving right how our brains evolving how technology is evolving and would be very i don't think we could assume that we could have answers for everything yet i think Ignorance is part of this evolution until you get to understand a lot of things that you can't explain today. And to me, faith and my spirituality helps me to fill in that gap. I think I'm sure that everything there there is an explanation for everything, but I don't think a lot of times we are in that level to, you know, be wise enough to be able to understand why this is happening and being humble to accept that and trust that we will understand at the right time and that we this doesn't change the fact that we are going to still continue to do our best and we are going to search and pursue this evolution but we don't need to have all the answers to 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 live here or to to believe that things can happen and and that's how I combine and and this really helps me because and I believe in this superior intelligence that's running everything and a lot of times we see that everything in the end makes sense and it's for our best, right? Everything that happened to our life, if you look back, you see with time, you understand why that happened. So it seems that there is something much bigger than us, like uh, that knows what's best 
and that's what I do. I trust that superior intelligence and one day we will understand, but I don't need to have all the answers right now. Yeah. I think one of the key ans- key questions that a lot of people ask in these type of conversations is, Hey, if you can go back to the past, do you want to change anything? And my younger version of myself would say, yeah, I want to change this and that to alleviate pain and suffering that I experience. Mm-hmm. That would be my younger self's answer. But today I would answer, I wouldn't change anything. And I actually saw everything as a blessing because who I am today, everything that I earn, everything that I, all the wisdom that I have, the experience of this human experience because I had all those things. So I wouldn't change anything. I have nothing but love and, and, and gratitude for any of those things as unpleasant as they were before. So I'm curious to know your thoughts. Would you change anything in the past? If you could advise, right? The younger version of Carolina, what would you say to her? If I had, if I would change something, I think I would still need another similar challenging situation so as you said all the pain and the hard times they made me to grow and they made me to be a better person so I'm so much more appreciative for a lot of things and I have a better understanding and I'm more empathic empathetic because of the things that were very hard to me in the past so if I was not challenging by those situations, I think I, I wouldn't be the person that I'm today. And I believe that I'm a better person today than yesterday, than 10 years before. So I don't think, yeah, everything that happened in the end was the right thing to happen. And I like this saying that you are on the right time doing the right thing and you need to go through this if you are experiencing this situation so yeah let's actually use our scientist hat on for a moment 99 percent of the time or 90 percent of the time of the experiments is what failure so to think that everything that we do needs to be quote-unquote success is ludicrous by design if we're pushing ourselves to grow, if we're pushing ourselves to have a breakthrough, by definition, you need to go through a barrier. And so there, that barrier is that internal resistance or external resistance. Curious to know your thoughts. Anything you wanted to add or agree, disagree? Yeah, with and, and I think being a scientist is a great training to be an entrepreneur or even to be you know, a better person because you get used to if you don't get to use or if you don't learn how to do with the failures you don't do science and a lot of times you repeat the same experiments same conditions and you have completely different results and that thing like kills you but if you don't have the patience and even like the curiosity of trying to understand and trying to study more and see where the problem can be coming from and if you don't have that persistency you are not gonna get to any breakthrough i think 
everything that we have today, they are a result of millions of failures. And these are the most impact, impactful things in our lives. So we learn much more from our mistakes, from the times that we, we are suffering than from our happy moments. Our happy, we're just enjoying and that's great. But uh, what really pushes us to be a better person are the hard times. So, so on this podcast, a lot of the times we do talk about our dark moments. Some of my, especially entrepreneurs, rarely I hear because as a CEO, one has to be project this, you know, bright, shiny smile. Everything is great. So rarely they have a chance to talk about the dark moments because they couldn't be human. They have to be quote unquote CEO. So on this podcast, we do get into the dark moments and some of the uh, entrepreneurs that I've spoken to on this podcast, they share, Hey, when I'm able to raise funding, when my company is going great, my self-esteem is super high. Right. And then when I couldn't raise funding and or when my facing darkness and when I'm have to hire uh, fire people or when I have doubts about whatever the direction of the company or co-founder conflicts and things like that, it was really depressing because I had no want to talk to and some of them are even contemplating uh, suicide during your dark times from your journey from phd scientist to founder to now ceo could you share with us perhaps one dark moment and how were you able to keep that faith keep that resolve to continue to move forward in spite of however you feel on the inside yes so i had many dark moments mainly in the beginning when i moved here so i came by myself without knowing a single person in san francisco and we didn't have a technology ready to be deployed or, so we were still finding our product market fit where we would really build something where would we could really create value and in the beginning it was hard to find and we were getting a lot of no's and we were not getting traction and uh, and at in the bio every friday we have uh, what what they call the killer of the week and you need to show or to present something that you achieved that week or you are screwed like you're screwed in front of kind of everyone every friday was like a, a terror for me because i need to have something and a lot of times i was like in the lab at 11 p.m on thursday night trying to get that result and there was the experiment didn't work and said damn what i'm gonna present tomorrow <laughs> So it was like frightening every Friday. Oh my God, I need to say something. And in the beginning, it was hard. Like we were not getting good results. We were not getting traction and so on. So every day I needed like to get all the pieces that were like falling apart and put together and let's keep going. Let's keep trying. And we were eventually, we, we started to get some 
good feedback. And I remember this was like a presentation two weeks before Demo Day. So I decided to change a little bit the story, the storytelling of my pitch. And in the end, I, the presentation went well, but the story didn't lay well. Yeah, I remember that one of the managing partners said, Carol, this is a disaster. You are not going to present. If that's what you're going to bring to the day, you're not going to present. And I was like destroyed. And I remember that uh, at that day, people that were in the audience, they could give like fake checks to the companies if they were going to invest. And we were the only company that didn't get any money. So we were the one like in the last, in the rank. And that day I was devastated. I, it was the only day that I really cried that I was, wow, this day I still remember. And then I decided, okay, of course I'm gonna, I'll be able to overcome this. I'll I will do another presentation and in 15 days I have, I had done that and I was presenting the stage and in the end he said, Carol, I'm proud of you. You did very well. And today he's one of my, my main mentors and he has two young daughters and he says that today I am a role model for, for his daughters. But that day was a very dark day to me because it was clear to everyone that I was like really failing. But in the end, like inside me, I knew that I was going to be able to turn that around. I was going to be able to basically start over and, uh, and overcome that, and I would get to the other side. So pause, I think a lot of people could relate to that, whether they were in academia or startups, or even as an employee right now, you know, that feeling like that sinking feeling of, oh my God, what am I going to say? Any author, speaker, scientist, I don't care who you are, have all experienced that. So what practices did you have to keep going? So you cry. So that's one practice, right? What other practices did you have to allow you to go from the last in the rank to keep going and then be one of the first? I would say I, of course I had that day that was very hard, but the next day I was like, you, you dry your tears and you put yourself like back together again and you go to solve the problem, to, to face the problem. I can't hide of this. If there is something that needs to be better, let me work on this and let me ask for help and let me do my best. So I was keep something that never Passed to my mind was like the option of giving up. So I knew that uh, there will be this very down moments, but uh, 
the next day. And again, my faith really helped me to get through those moments because I knew that uh, I was doing what I'm, I was supposed to do. I was, this is, I could feel that I couldn't do, be doing anything else. Mm. When I thought about, uh, okay, if this doesn't work, what it's gonna, what I'm gonna do with my life. And I was trying to picture myself maybe going back to Brazil or working in kind of you know, an innovation hub or something like that, talking about formats of Silicon Valley experience. And I didn't see myself doing any of this. And, and then you bring yourself again to the present and think, no, this, this is going to work no matter what. So let me keep doing my best. And I want to underline something. So you cry and you probably rested, right? And then you settle and you start to project forward of if this doesn't work out, what could I do? Innovation hub. And you, you can imagine that's what you'd be doing. I, I, I would imagine probably some visceral reactions. You're like, oh, I don't want to do it. Okay, no, that's not the path. Let me go back to solve this problem is that an accurate reflection yes very accurate and i I can picture myself like having those thoughts where i was at and i can clearly see myself okay this i can't see myself there so let me focus here and also let me do my work here and keep going sometimes you just need to have strength enough to go through through those hard times it's that time that you feel almost so weak that you can do and you learn that you can like you can go a little further you think that your limits are here they are further and you keep pushing them are there specific practices that you have prayer meditation yoga walking in nature going to sleep cold bath sauna boxing, any of those things that, that you uh, practice med- way to- Yeah, I would say meditation for sure. And, and I always go, I always go to a spiritual church. also like every Sunday now uh, with COVID, it's like a virtual church, but this Sunday routine helped me to recharge my energy and even to get confirmation from the spiritual world that I'm on the right path and I I should keep doing what I'm doing and eventually things will out. So if I didn't have that confirmation that comes from this spiritual source, I don't know if I would keep going because sometimes you doubt yourself, right? Am I doing the right thing? I'm on the right place. Should I do something else? And if you have, and a lot of times you can get this from your your gut feeling. You, If you listen to your body and if you try to analyze your reactions, 
you can understand that, but if you can get this message from, and we learned this in this church that I go, all these insights that we have in this, we need to pay attention. They come because they are help for you. So if we don't pay attention to what we are, those kind of spontaneous ideas that come to our mind, don't ignore them, like pay attention to them. They can come to bring you like a, a clue or an idea of a, something that you should pursue that is going to really, yeah, open a way for you. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Keep our inspiration going. Follow, trust and follow our inspiration, our curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Pay attention more on the, the thoughts that comes to your mind. Because for example, when you are meditating and you first, you clear your mind of your thoughts that are populating your mind, work and problems and family. So when you clear your mind, you get a, to a clarity state and you start like getting different levels of understanding. So I think if we make more time to get this help, this kind of connection is a telepathic connection. And you need to be in peace. We need to be in a state that your vibration is high because you can imagine that the higher your vibration, the better you're going to connect with higher levels of energy. What are some of the practices that you have to keep your vibration high? Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, other than going to church? Cultivating positive thoughts. Nature. So nature. Wait, wait. When you say cultivating positive thoughts, like what? Like a journal that you, or something that you read? Can you bring yeah. it down to someone who's listening to you who don't know you yet? What specific rituals do you do to cultivate that positive thought? I think as an entrepreneur, usually we are over optimistic. So mm -hmm. <laughs> we already have this optimistic vision about life in general so if everything is going wrong you still can find the silver linings and you can still find ways to be grateful for whatever is happening to your life mm -hmm. uh, and if you can write those down if you can even make it more clear to the universe then it becomes even more like tangible more real practicing Gratitude, I think, yeah, even in the hardest situation, for example, when I lost my dad, it was like probably the hardest thing that happened to my life. Mm. Uh, finding gratitude was a way to, that helped me to, to go through that, you know, dark time because mm -hmm. otherwise it's so, it's like everything, like you, you lose the the sense of the life the meaning of life you know if you and when you start cultivating or practicing that the gratitude like oh i had the him in my life for 
33 years. He is this amazing person that, mm. you know, left this beautiful legacy and I learned so much. And if I can be one third of, if I can be a little bit mm. like him, I'll be, I'll have accomplished my mission in this earth. And, and I was so lucky to have him as, as my father. Like I, he, I grew up learning and having him by my side. So when you start like finding gratitude in a moment that is so hard, it helps to grow, to go through. Thank you for sharing that. Your dad did an amazing job raising you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did. <laughs> yeah, he was an amazing person for sure. Any other practices that you have as a way to cultivate high vibration for yourself? Mm, yeah, I think also, again, being nature. Med if you can combine meditation, nature, you can both have the, the energy and the peace of mind that really helps you to, to release any kind of stress. So if i can i i go for i need to go for a walk or like hugging a tree or you know something that <laughs> you feel that we are touching nature mm. uh, it feels that you can connect with that energy yeah yeah i, I so appreciate that because i don't know if you know the the term adaptogen Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. So nature is a very much a, the, the, the best um, adaptogen there is. If you are feeling low, it will bring you up. If you're feeling arrogant, it's going to humble you. So it's great. Go to nature. Nature is awesome. It solves a lot Brings of problems. you to the right balance, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Now, some people watching this may be thinking like, man, CK is spending a lot of time talking about Carolina, the individual. The reason I do that is, in my mind, what it takes to be an effective leader is fractal. So you have self, family, company, country, and the world, right? So right. if we don't have our mindset correct, if we don't have a high vibration on an individual basis, you could try to force an outcome by having some company. But guess what? we built what we are any limitations or limiting beliefs or mindset that we have it's only going to get amplified when the individual isn't solid that's why i spend a lot of time on the individual i'm curious to know your thoughts carolina you're a ceo right you're in you're in your relationship with three other co-founders what do you think do you agree with that do you disagree what do you think Yeah, definitely. I think you need to be in a stable state and in a state of 
piece to be able to lead a company. So that's why I know that every entrepreneur they have gone through times that they need to work super hard long hours they almost burn out themselves but if you if you think that this is a marathon and not a sprint if you burn out yourself you're not gonna get your company anywhere so taking care of yourself first and making sure that you have not only your mental health your physical health and that you know how to inspire and to lead other people to take care of themselves too so they can be at their best state to produce and to deliver what you hope from them for the company. I think that's the way that we can really go a long way if we don't if we don't care about you know the, the foundation we are not gonna be able to survive the this marathon so that's why i have i need to have my exercising i'm very rigorous about my diet i like to bring things to my body that i feel that also will increase my energy that will you know boost my health i cultivate i have i nurture my spirituality because this always also helps me to keep moving and keep going through all the you know hard situations but also brings me creativity brings me insights and I usually say that we have a lot of help around us. If we don't use, we're just <laughs> not uh, making the most that we have available to us. So if we, if we have this balance of all these pillars that are important to your life, I think you are going to get to your best self to be the best leader that you can be. Yeah. And on this podcast, we talk a lot about quote unquote soft skills. Th this very thing that we talk about, the intangibles, the spirituality, the emotionality, the communication, namely because the people who watch the show, they, they, I know you're already smart. I know you can figure things out. I know you know how to do the quote unquote hard skills, right? And then that's not where you need support. <laughs> the, the, the areas where it's ne neglected are the quote-unquote soft skills the intangible the personality the right. communication the forgiveness the self-love the overcoming imposter syndrome all of this stuff that, that we have been talking about so that's why in my mind uh the combination of the two are important ceo skills Anything else you wanted to talk about in terms of CEO skills before we move on to how you make the co-founder relationship work? Anything else on the individual basis, important CEO skills? I think, yeah, I think the CEO is that the kind of North Star for the company. So you need to be able to 
set the vision for the company, but also find everyone that will help you to build that value proposition that will make the company to get there and to create the impact that you believe. So I think, and this is what's, so when now recently when we published this, the documentary, uh, I was in, in the meeting before I was appreciating everyone's contribution and uh, I talk about everyone what they were bringing to the team and one of my co-founders oh let me talk about you carol because i you also you have this ability of bringing everyone together and aligned to move towards that vision so i think that's one of the skills of the ceo that's very essential is finding the right people and setting and bringing all of them aligned not only selling the, the vision and the dream, but making the impact that we are creating so clear and meaningful to all of them that it's natural for them to work and give their best for this company or this project. So the fact that we can bring people together towards our vision or mission I think it's something that to, <laughs> the CEO needs to be doing every day. Mm, I love that. So any uh, exercise, books, disciplines, rituals one could take on to practice that skill of enrollment? I call it enrollment. How do you actually mm -hmm. set and inspire them and galvanize their force towards the common vision? Any specific practice one can take on to be better at that? I think I'm always like learning how or, or reading how to be, you know, a better leader or a better build a better team. And one thing that I've learned and uh, in even for myself as a as an entrepreneur, I need to be able to be vulnerable and uh, be okay with that. And I think in the company it's not it's something that we also created this safe space for people to be themselves so they can be vulnerable so i learned this researching best practices for building the best teams the ones that people they feel that they can be themselves they don't need to hide or they are afraid to share something because they will be judged so I remember this experiment that Google did, that they did this research and they were trying to, you know, nail down all the characteristics of the best teams do. And, and they got to this conclusion. And I, I thought this was, yeah, this makes so much sense. And that's the environment that we build in our company. So people can, they feel accepted, they feel it's a very welcoming place for them to be themselves. So agree 100% being compassionate, having 
psychological have an environment for psychological safety intellectually agree 100 percent. so someone who's listening may be thinking especially if they're entrepreneur tactically what do they do to cultivate that environment of psychological safety there are several i would say like workshops or group gatherings that you can allow people to talk about you can ask them things that you wouldn't ask in a day to day so if you, you create those moments you that you show that you care about who they are beyond that co-worker person that you, I think you are gonna get to a level of connection and bonding that they will feel that they belong and they will feel safer so create those kind of experiential groups that people can talk about so you know this unfortunately today is not the same but ideally you would go to a retreat or you go to something that like people will feel comfortable sharing things that they don't share in their day-to-day at work got it having the intention of letting you know that hey i care about you and then ask questions that's deeper than just quote unquote business right specific about the role it's more about the person the human being behind the role and then at some point going to a retreat so they can get to know that person even more on the deeper level that's what you're saying yeah yes that's correct oh that's beautiful I, so I used to be a chief culture officer in our startup before. And one of the things I realized is this, <clears throat> in addition to having an intention, Hey, I care about you actually say, Hey, I care about you. So, <laughs> so, so there is no question. And it's also not about just the words. It's about the longevity of the word. How much yeah. do I say that and how much do I actually show up for you and how much do I remember to actually care about the holistic human being? So in my mind, that provides more of a space of psychological safety with me. At least I hope. And it's, I'm a very cerebral person. So I have to learn these type of skills as a way to show others that I actually care about you and, you know, give you that psychological safety. Yeah. And I think I've been also learning this, that the best, the way, the best leaders, they care first and then they manage second. So if you show that you care about your employees, your team, they will do everything because they will be appreciative for you to care about them that's something that it's not always obvious <laughs> but uh, yeah i we can see that the successful leaders they 
they showed this very genuine care about their people. So I'm very curious. I used to have a startup company of five co-founders and my, my other co-founder, my other entrepreneur friends just heard about it. They laughed at me because they thought I was crazy for getting involved with four other people in starting a company. And that company exploded because of co-founder conflict. And when I look at you and then you have lasted, it's been four years so far, right? Almost in, five. Almost five years. Yeah. So in startup land, that's 50 years. So congratulations for lasting 50 years. So what rubric, what operating system, what structure did you have in place to foster a harmonious four people coming together, building something beautiful? Yes. It was not always as a smooth relationship. <laughs> And this was of one of the learnings that I learned along the way. So when I got together with the first two co-founders, to me, they had the same goals that I had. That was like, I want to dedicate my life to this company and I will do everything that's possible to make the company succeed. And eventually, I realized that this was not exactly their goals. And a lot of people, they say that these are not the right co-founders. And one could argue that. But what, and after talking and after understanding, again, each of them, they have their own stories and they have their dreams. And today, looking back, I I clearly see that they are much happier where they are now. So they are not full-time, but they are co-founders. They were, we are together, in fact, for almost seven years right now because we had this first company and then we came here, started. Oh, I see. Yes. So continuation of the first. Amazing. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, you like each other that much, you want to start a second company together. That's great. Yeah, I, yeah amazing. <laughs> yeah, the, first, the second one was like a transition from the first one. But uh, even though we had some disalignments in the beginning, and a lot of them came based on the fact that we didn't know what it requires to build a company or how to do or what is what are the best practices? So everyone was like trying to say, I think it's this way. I think it's that way. So I think the lack of experience makes things even harder because if I was going to build another company today, I, I learned so much. So I know what, it, what are the best practices. But what I could find in the end is that I came here by myself and a lot of times I feel, I felt like very lonely when, when we were the last company in that, in that whiteboard, 
I was there by myself, like crying. So I feel I felt very lonely several times. But I know that if I would like message, call them, they would be there for me anytime that I needed. So even though they were not like physically present, they did their best to help me from where they were. And they bring so, such an incredible value in terms of not only expertise, but personality. And I learned so much with them and I really admire them. And eventually I brought another one that uh, we are today co-founders. So she came after one year that I was here, but we are in the same, totally same vibration. And we even lived together here. So <laughs> we spent like 24 hours together. And the four of us today, we work super well together, but it took us a while to understand me and Alessandra, we are exactly in the same vibration. And Marianne and Juliana, they have their other dreams and lives, but we could align them with the company's vision. So I think having a mind open to understand if there is a common place that we can align our goals and dreams and make it work and be very honest. I think that's the way that you can overcome these challenging situations. It requires flexibility. It, requ it requires we empathy so much empathy for you to put yourself in their shoes and try to understand why they are making that decision and vice versa so you can make it work i don't think one skin would be what it is today if it's if it wasn't for the four of us but it definitely was like a roller coaster, <laughs> but today, and, and there will be always like some founder moments, but today we are much more mature in knowing how to address any situation. And that's why we have a regularly 101 before we would hold things and not share them and eventually you explode. So if you have 101 or if you have this openness, you please come to me and say if you, you didn't like anything that I said, if I hurt you, because if you don't say, I will know. It's always better to put things out and uh, try to solve things, not like to accumulate and yeah, and get to a point that you feel that the situation is unbearable. So let me ask you a question. You didn't say this, but this is what I'm hearing in between the lines. Do you believe that any personalities can come together through this type of practices? Or were you just lucky? Usually, I don't believe in luck. 
I believe that things happen because I believe in, in the law of action and reaction. Mm. So if these things are happening with me, I think that I made some action that caused this reaction. Would be the truth for everyone there. So I think that's a way that people can get the same. (laughs) So I love that. So the way I would articulate what you just said is you take responsibility for your part to whatever reaction that you have caused in others. And, And the proactive rituals that you have is regular one on ones, make sure you say everything that there is to say, don't hold it back. So on that note there, some founders believe that, hey, let me say everything. So they bring everything, which is great. Some people, some founders believe, let me just be professional. Let's just talk about the work itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The underlining things that's brewing below. What's your school of thought? Everything or professional or less than professional or or, or what? (laughs) What's the grade? What's the spectrum? Well, if you don't say everything, you are still hold, holding things inside for yourself. And eventually that will start affecting your relationship with your co-founder. So you can say whatever you want. How you say and the right the way that you say is what can make a huge difference. So learning how to express, you know, your feelings. I feel like that. This may not be your intention, but that's how I'm feeling. And share this from a very honest way. No one can judge you because you are feeling like it's your feeling. If it's true, it's your feeling. You are just sharing. And I want to share this because I want to get in a good place with you again. And I want to be uh, able to talk through this. Mm, I love it. Do you mind if we spend a little bit of time about the technical aspect of OneSkin? Yes, let's do it. I know normally that's your normal conversation, but, but I'm still curious about it. So I, I do want to ask you about those things. Mm-hmm. So my so share with me and the audience. Oh. One thing you said in a documentary, you say skin is the largest organ in the body. And there is the short-term skin health approach versus the long-term skin health approach. Say a little bit more about that because I don't think most people think even in the time scale, the long-term, short-term approach to skin health. Yeah. As we studied about skin, we not only realized that Okay, skin is our largest organ and it's important to keep this organ functioning well to protect. So the main function of the skin is to, is our main physical barrier, right? Protects us against infections and all types of stress, environmental stress and water loss and so on. Keep our body, our temperature, So this is one thing that's super important to our health. And a healthy, for example, and even like skin cancer is one of the leading cause of cancer. 
So keeping our skin healthy only for the skin is already important. But another thing that we realized studying skin is that since skin is our largest organ and as we age, our tissues start to secrete inflammation. The levels of inflammation that are coming from the skin and it's influence your body's levels of inflammation. And this inflammation is associated with chronic diseases such as Alzheimer, cardiovascular disease, uh, cancer. Can the skin be one of the the drivers of this inflammation, and this can be accelerating the development of chronic diseases or vice versa. By keeping our skin healthier, can we prevent or delay those detrimental diseases? So right now, if, if that's the case and it makes a lot of sense, that's the case, Everyone should take care of their skin and mainly after your 50s, after your 30s, you really start, you see a shift in terms of dysfunction. But after your 50s, you really see these levels like rising of inflammation rising. And that's when it should be like mandatory. Men, women, if you care about beauty appearance, doesn't matter. I'm sure that you care about not developing cardiovascular, Alzheimer, or cancer. So that's the most interesting connection that we, we were founding. And there is even this experiment at UCSF where they treated like, I think it was like 30 patients for one month. So they applied this cream topically twice a day. And this cream was supposed to improve the skin barrier. And after one month, they measured the levels of inflammation in the blood. And they saw that these levels decrease to a level of a person around 30 years, and they were on average 50 years. So that means that treating your skin, you can decrease the levels of inflammation on in your blood. So wow. that's very interesting because that's what we, we, we want to to demonstrate, to validate how we are all connected, our tissues are connected. And if we, if we can do everything right, if you take supplements to keep your body health, healthy and functioning better, why you don't have a supplement for your skin? That's your largest organ. Mm. That's what we, one skin is working on right now. That's actually really interesting because I consider myself a biohacker, right? So I actually think about how do I optimize my internal health? And to be really frank here and publicly, uh, I don't apply sunblock at all. <laughs> and, and I don't even think about the whole idea of internal inflammation. It wasn't until it, with the way you said it, they're like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How can I take care of my, my diet, sugar, things like that? So then I don't actually inherently foster an internal environment to have more inflammation internally. That's very insightful. Thank you. Yes. And I, to be honest, I, was, I had not made this connection until I started studying this field. So I totally mm. understand that 
99% don't make this connection. And that's one of our job here is like to be able to share and to bring this knowledge so people can start to take action. So you have an interesting approach. There's a word that I never said before, uh, that I never recognized before until I started researching our, our conversation. Senescent cells. Can you say a little bit more about what that is? Yes. So senescent cells are cells that uh, have replicated a lot. So in our body, usually a cell is replicating and then eventually the cells reach the limit and the cells should die or the cells should, sometimes they become a cancer or they enter in this state called the cellular senescence. That's basically a cell arrest. So the cell can't replicate anymore, but they start secreting inflammatory signals. So they work like a bad apple in a basket. So one senescent cells releases inflammation and contaminates cells around. And mm. this leads to tissue dysfunction. And this accumulation of senescent cells is associated with numerous age-related diseases. So what they found is that uh, those cells accumulate in our joints, in our heart, in our brain, and they are associated with most of the diseases that we are trying to treat. And one way that we could work or solve this problem is to eliminate senescent cells. So there are drugs that can specifically induce the death of senescent cells or help your body, like boost your body's efficiency so you don't form senescent cells. Because mm -hmm. senescent cells are cells that have accumulated a lot of damage and this damage also accumulates because your repair system is defective. So, mm. for example, our technology helps your cell to be more effective so it can repair those damage and then the cell doesn't go to the senescent state. And by preventing the formation of senescent cells, we can extend the time that our tissues are healthy and functional. Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, I think the, so term, the, the, the layman term for that is zombie cells, right? Zombie cells, yeah. They look like a zombie cells. They have life, have bad cells, but they are secreting bad vibes. And we don't, yeah, we don't want those zombie cells building up in our bodies. <laughs> and then you guys have discovered a unique peptide, OS1 as a way to eliminate partially or regulate these uh, senescent cells. Can you say a little bit more about that? Sure. So when we decided to focus or to address skin aging, we decided to understand what was the underlying cause of skin aging. And then we saw that there was a common cause of, of aging that senescent cells was one of those causes and so it is so since we want to address skin aging the the molecular level we decided to build a screening platform where we tested more than a thousands of compounds a thousands of peptides and then we found os1 that was the one that was more effective 
in decreasing the level of senescent cells in, in the skin. And that's the, the molecule that we have later validated in different types of aging skin. And then we have formulated this peptide in a topical cream. We tested in humans. We could not only see an improvement in the skin barrier, so it was really treating the skin and improving the function of the skin, but also was ameliorating the, the external aspect of the skin. So your skin was looking like better, smoother, younger. So that's so how... So quick question about the, the timeline effect, because you had said in your presentation, your documentary, you said other companies are treating it with, let's say, Botox, laser, things like that, and then are actually not necessarily conducive to the long-term benefits, but they're able to show their clients an immediate improvement. So tell us a little bit about the difference between how long does it take for one skin cream to show the benefit because it's the inside-out approach, the long-term effect versus others. Just out of curiosity, I'm curious to know, what's your take on that? Yeah, so in vitro, so in the lab, when we test OS1 in the skins that we grow, or even in pieces of uh, human skin that we get from leftover of plastic surgeries, we can see that uh, we can promote effects like as fast as five days. So we can measure the, you know, the thickness of the skin, we can measure the biological age of the skin, and we can see that we are really decreasing the biological age. In vivo, we have seen that it takes like from one to three months for people to start seeing the results. But since we are constantly being exposed to stress and damage, the more that you use, the more your cell will be better prepared to repair the damage. So you, you keep like strengthening your tissue as you use this product over time. It's the default is to age, but if you have a fuel that you can give to your cell so your cell keeps like working properly you see over time if you use the product or don't use a very significant difference because you are keeping the system that is working or you are boosting your set your cells and your and your repair mechanisms to be working properly the longer the better i've been using the product for maybe 18 months right now <laughs> i'm 53 by the way <laughs> wow amazing <laughs> yeah that's just kidding but yeah we have great results so it, it varies from person to person uh, some people see like very fast in two weeks some people take more time but what we can really make sure that if, if we test in the lab and if we show in a few days, we can show and we can really show the difference. We can show the control and we can show the treated and we can show the data to 
those that want to understand better. So let me ask you a question because you had alluded to earlier, Hey, I applied this topically and then my internal inflammation has gone down systematically, right? So is it, Hey, I just applied to my face and then this area will have better skin, but the rest it's okay. Or my entire skin needs to be applied in this thing. And then the more the merrier, let me apply three times a day or whatever. What? Curious to know yeah. the, the cumulative effect of applying locally versus uh, systematically. It does make sense to apply throughout your whole body. We are starting with a cream for the face, hands, and neck because are the areas that are most exposed to UV damage. But our next product should be a product, you know, to apply in the whole body. So as for younger people, I we usually age faster in the areas that are exposed. So yeah, and the, and the important thing is also to keep your skin hydrated and hydrate your whole body with whatever moisturizer that you, you use. But in the future, we want to be able to bring this peptide in a product that will also help in repairing damage and really working systemically. Carolina, there's so many other questions I want to do follow up with you around the business model, around, because in my mind right away, I saw the internet comments about the possibility of this product. A lot of women are really excited about finally a molecular based or stem cell based anti-aging cream. And right away they ask, where can I get it? Right. Where can I order this? So right away as a business person, I think this company proactive, I don't know if you know them. Yeah. They started by Stanford PhD researchers and then turn into, I don't know, a gazillion billion dollar business. And this is what I think about. Like, oh yeah. So the technology is here. How can the audience help? <laughs> How can the audience help? Yeah. Yeah. Go online and order this and anything yeah. that, you know, could, could support the mission that you have and turning this into an anti-aging company even more successful than it is today. Yeah, it's help us to spread the word. I think uh, one skin is much more than a product. So we bring a lot of information in terms of, you know, the science and knowledge that we have available today that uh, can help us make better choices to live uh, healthier longer. So if we think uh, that our purpose uh, is valid and you not only are interested in the product, but also in nurturing yourself with information, help us to, to share this and bring this to your family and bring this conversation around aging. Like how are we dealing with aging today? Are we being passive or are we being proactive and doing something about it. There are so many ways that we can age and it will depend on the choices that we are doing today. So if we are powered by information and if you bring your family and your friends and your spouse to conversation and can take action together, 
I think this will be able to will be able to impact more and more people, and will be able to even restructure our healthcare system. We don't want to be spending hundreds of billions to in the last six months of our lives. We want to spend hundreds of billions to build technology and education and build like a, a better way of living to everyone for the most part of our life. <laughs> so I think this conversation needs to be, needs to include everyone. And uh, I would really appreciate if you guys help sharing the word. Amazing. Hey, Carolina, I want to take a moment to really acknowledge you for just sharing your life story. The warrior spirit was strong in you. You came to this country by yourself. You share so generously about some of the, the dark moments that you had and the inspiration that you had and the practices that you have to keep yourself at a high vibrational level and bring you know, all of your co-founders together and continue galvanizing this momentum behind you to where it is today. I'm really excited about the possibility of one skin. Personally, uh, I'm like, yeah, I want to look great and I want to be able to even reverse aging so I can reverse the damage that I've done to my own skin and the rest of my body as well. So just really appreciate you showing up and being able to dance with me in this conversation. Yeah, this was a great conversation, CK. Thank you so much. It's good to dive deeper to those moments. I think it may it makes everything like more, you know, meaningful. Looking back and sometimes we start like complaining, right? Oh, this is going wrong, but I've been to much worse situations. <laughs> Looking back and uh, realizing how much we have overcome over the time, over the years. Great way also to be grateful for what we have today. So thanks for this opportunity. And yeah, congrats on this beautiful work that you are doing. Thank you.